of looking at me, 85 pounds lighter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I, I get no credit. Honestly, it's the Lord's thing. He just woke me up back in January and said it's time, and he told me exactly how to do it. So those of you who come up say, what's the secret? The Lord, I just did what the Lord told me to do, and, and he's blessed it. And uh, it'll actually fit into where we're going today in this message. But uh, um, I'm excited to be with you guys. It's been a while since I've been with you, and it's been a while actually since I've been anywhere. Uh, with this pandemic, it's kind of cut back on the traveling preacher uh, this is the first Sunday that I've preached on a Sunday morning to a live audience in 17 weeks. Did you pack a lunch is the question, you know, because uh, actually I won't do that to you, but I'm excited. The Lord, the, the churches around the country finally opening back up, has opened my schedule back up, and I start with you all here this week. Next week I'll be at Indy Atlantic, and then after that I'll be Galax, sorry, Chesapeake, Virginia, then Galax, Virginia for a week, and then... Tupelo, Mississippi for a week, and then Ohio, then New Jersey for three weeks, and then we'll see what happens from there. So I'm going to be back at it, and I'm ready for it, and healthy-wise, ready to go, and I'm excited. So what we're going to do this morning, though, is we're going to take a look at an end of a chapter in the book of Matthew and the beginning of another chapter in the book of Matthew, because as you probably know, when the book was written, there was no numbers of chapters, and so it kind of goes together. The end of 19, go to Matthew chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 23, and then we're going to move into chapter 20 all the way to verse 16. Uh, we're going to take a look at something Jesus said at the end of chapter 19 and then what he said in the beginning of 20. And we're going to try to reconcile them because as you're about to see, they appear to say two totally different things. So let me read to you from Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 23. And I'm getting to that age that I need these now. So what's that? <laughs> all righty. In verse 23 of Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Now, real quick, just so we can kind of make sure we're all together here before I read chapter 20. Jesus has just said, everyone that's left houses and lands and family for my sake is going to be rewarded. Those of you that have suffered and sacrificed for the kingdom, you're going to receive a hundredfold. There's levels of reward in heaven. Is that what he just said? All right, now read chapter 20 with me. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out in about the third hour, he saw others standing in the market, idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. 
And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Now it's obvious with what Jesus says at the end of chapter 19 and the end of the section in chapter 20, the two are connected. But he's just said that those of you that have sacrificed will be rewarded more than those that haven't. Yet then he tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and it sure looks like he's saying, but when you get to heaven, those who have worked harder than others are all going to get paid the same. Doesn't it appear that way? How are we going to put this together? Well, we're going to pray and ask God to help us to see it. Father, thank you again for the fact that as you open our eyes to your truth, things that make no sense to us in our intellectual ability, Lord, all of a sudden open up as we humbly ask you to teach us. Lord, I thank you, as you said in Matthew chapter 11, that uh, you've hidden your spiritual truth from the wise and the understanding, but you have revealed it to little children, which is your gracious will. Lord, thank you that this morning, those of us who are smarter than others are not going to be the ones who are going to get it, but you've opened up to everyone and all levels of intellect because you open our eyes and give us spiritual insight as we humble ourselves like children and say, Daddy, teach us. I don't understand, but you'll show me. And so that's how we come at this passage today. From your scripture, from your word, through your truth, open our eyes to what it is that you want us to see. Father, you know uh, that you've revealed this to me and I can't wait to show it to everybody else, but I don't want to be the one who opens their eyes. Only you can do it. So keep me from trying to preach this in my strength, in my flesh. Thank you for what you're going to show us. And Lord, my prayer is what well as this, that we wouldn't just say, oh, I see it now, that the truth of it, though, would affect how we live and change us. And Lord, may it change our churches. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get into this passage, I have to tell you something first. I have a problem. Now you say, we don't have time for all of that, Jim. You're right. But my one of my problems is I want credit. When I do something, I want people to notice. I hate playing golf by myself because I'm good. And I want people to see how good I am. When you come back from a round playing by yourself, people say, what'd you shoot? And you tell them, they're like, yeah, but no one was there. We don't know if you just picked it up. or No, I really did shoot that. I want you to know how good I am. Now, my wife and I have been married 30 years this July. And I'm getting better at speaking her love language and helping with the dishes and the dishwasher and different things like that. But I got a problem. Sometimes she doesn't notice. And I have to point it out. Did you see what I did? Now, it's even crazier because our kids are grown and moved out. We're empty nesters now for the first time in, in our life. And By the way, I love it. This is awesome. But with our kids all moved out, if the dishes end up in the dishwasher and she didn't do it, she has to know. Had to be me. We don't got a dog. <laughs> but even though it's obvious I did it, still want to point it out. I want the points. 
She'll always tell me, Jim, it doesn't matter. Once you tell me you did it, you lose the points. <laughs> but I know that, and I still want the points. Oh, by the way, I'm not the only person with this problem, am I? Every one of us wants the credit. We want the points. We want to be recognized. We want to, we want to feel like we've earned something. And this passage that we looked at here this morning, and we're going to be looking at, deals with all of that together. At the end of chapter 19, Jesus has been dealing with the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler has just come to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I want to earn it. Just tell me what I do, then I'll do that, and then I can get it, because I earned it. And actually, he walks up to Jesus, and he actually says, good teacher, what must I do? Now, Jesus very interestingly says to him, um, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. Now, some people have said, well, Jesus was saying that he wasn't God. No, that wasn't what he was saying at all. Over and over, he very clearly was claiming to be God. In John chapter 8, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. Uh, we see in, in Matthew chapter 21, when the children are praising him in the temple and calling him Hosanna, praise to the son of David, the Pharisees come and they say, and the chief priests, they say, do you hear what they're saying? And he says, have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and children, you have ordained praise. And he quotes from Psalm 8, which is a whole psalm, praising God. Jesus was not saying he wasn't God. What he was doing was pointing out something very interesting. He says to the young man, he says, look, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good, and that's who? What was he telling this young man? He, not was saying, and he wasn't saying I'm God. He was saying this. If there's only one who's good, and that's God, you can never be good. That's what he was saying. There's only one who's good, and that's God. And so if God's the only one who can be good, you can't be good. Yet you're trying to ask me what you can do to be good in order to get into heaven. You can't do it. Of course, goes through the whole conversation. The guy walks away sad because he had great possessions. And Jesus turns to his disciples in the passage we have this morning and he says, let me just say something, guys. It's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. And the disciples' minds go like this. We've been taught all our life that you get to heaven by what you do and how good you are. And the rich people are obviously going to heaven because they have more money to do with. And you give alms and you give things and they have more to give. Plus the fact that they're rich means God's happy with them and he's blessing them. You've just said it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. Who can be saved then? And what, listen, don't miss what Jesus says next. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Folks, let me say this to you again if you're here today. There's no one good but God. You can't be good. And you want to be saved? You want to go to heaven? If it involves you or man, it's impossible, won't ever be done. But with God giving it to you, it's possible. But you got to get rid of this, it's tied to me. If it's tied to you at all, you don't got it. Some of you were raised in a denomination that taught you to believe in what Jesus did on the cross, but you also had to keep these sacraments and do these different things. It was part him, part you. If it's part you, it's impossible, you're not saved. It's all him. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, we all know and love to quote, By grace you have been saved through faith, which is the gift of God, not of works. So what? So no one will boast. Go to Titus chapter 3 real quick. Go to Titus chapter 3. Look at verses 3 through 7. The scripture clearly teaches us that salvation is totally by God and his doing and nothing by ours. Titus chapter 3, look at verses 3 through 7. It says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right, now, let, let me say something to you. Jesus has laid out for us in Matthew 19 that with man, it's impossible to be saved. With God, is, is the only way that it's possible. I love what Peter does next. He points out that he put the dishes in the dishwasher. You see what he said? Look, look, at, look at how he words it. He goes, see, we've left everything to follow you. If it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven, did you notice we got nothing? That's got to count for something. I love Peter. He and I have a lot in common. We want to be right all the time, and we love to spout off, and we're most often wrong. But he says, see, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, I'm going to say it in our language for today, chillax, relax. I'm paying attention. And those of you that have, he is actually, you're going to sit on 12 thrones, and those of you that have left houses and lands and family for my name's sake are going to receive a hundredfold and eternal life. But the first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, before I get into where we're going, because I'm about to deal with something that's going to make it hard for our brains to grasp it, and that's why you need to ask God to give you insight. Again, spiritual truth is not understood by the smart people. Spiritual truth is revealed to those who humble themselves and say, Lord, just open my eyes to this. I want to believe this. I want to see it. Just open my eyes to it. You think you're going to figure it out? Sounds like you're involved. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Look at verses 10 through 12. Before I go where I'm going, I want you to see what the scripture clearly says. In Hebrews chapter 6, look at verses 10, 11, and 12. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in the serving of the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The Bible's very, very clear that God's paying attention. We hopefully understand that by to be saved, there's nothing we can do. But the Bible does teach that after we're saved, we have to be serious about what we do after salvation, not because it's going to get us into heaven. No, we're already guaranteed that. But the Bible teaches that there is levels of reward, are levels of reward in heaven. Very, very clearly, if you were to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, actually, we got time, go there, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to see it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 10. Paul's talking about 
this talking to this church that's fighting over who's the better preacher. And he's just said, the one that plants and the one who waters is nothing. Only God who gives the increase. Then he says in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Now let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Here it clearly says that after you've had the salvation foundation laid, which is faith alone in Jesus Christ, we have to be careful what we do after. Because there's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a judgment seat of Christ. There's going to be the Bema seat where God will judge what we've done after salvation, whether it's good or worthless, and it'll be tested by fire. And if it survives, it's been done by God and through God, it will re you'll receive a reward. There are going to be those who are in heaven by the grace of God, and they will suffer loss. It, he says it's like they barely made it over the flames. I've jokingly said for years, if you're walking around heaven and you smell someone that smells like smoke. He says, don't come over here. If you see someone that, does, that smells like smoke, you'll know they're one of them. But listen, does the Bible not teach that when we get to heaven, some will have more than others? By the way, if you're not sure yet, go to Luke chapter 19. Look at verse 11. In Luke chapter 19, verse 11, And as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We don't want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. So, again, does the scripture not teach that when we get rewarded, the reward is coming, there's going to be levels of reward in heaven. Not everybody gets paid the same. By the way, that's a question. Yes? Is that what the Bible teaches? Some of you still aren't sure. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verses 19 through 20. 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm going to ask you again. And by the way, I have more scriptures if you don't answer correctly. Does the Bible not teach that when we get to heaven, there's going to be levels of reward and some will be in heaven, but they're going to suffer loss because of their unfaithfulness after salvation? Some of you are getting hungry. 
good. So the Bible's very, very clear that that is the case. Well, go back to Matthew chapter 20 then with me. Then what is Jesus saying? When he said those who have worked all day are going to get paid the same as those who worked only an hour. For years, people have misinterpreted this passage and misunderstood it, and they have had this false mentality of, hey, when we get to heaven, it's all going to be the same. You ever heard that? We all have. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says we're to be considering what it is that we do after salvation. Each one should look to what they build after salvation, which has been laid. There's going to be levels of reward, and some will suffer loss, even though they'll be in heaven by God's grace. Then what is Jesus saying here when he says in Matthew 20, those who work the whole time are going to get paid the same as those who worked only an hour? Well, it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with our problem. We all want credit. We want to feel like we've earned something. It's part of our flesh problem. Our flesh wants credit. Now, hopefully, everybody in this room and, if, and those who are watching on TV or on the Facebook Live, those of you are uh, hopefully all come to the understanding that you can't earn salvation. If you get to heaven, it's totally by him and his grace, correct? But what's happened is, I've had this problem for years myself, is that after salvation, many of us, because our flesh wants credit, have felt like, okay, I couldn't earn salvation. That was a gift. But buddy, I have been working harder than the people around me, and I've earned my rewards. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, the one who worked only an hour and the one who worked all day getting paid the same is simply saying, whether you rewarded a lot in eternity or a little, it's all the same because it's by my grace. There's different levels, but it's all by his grace. You see, for years, I would read the passage in Revelation 4 where the church would take their crowns and lay them at the feet of Jesus in worship, and I have to be honest, I didn't like that passage. I knew as a preacher, and I couldn't tell anybody that, but I hated that passage. Because I knew I didn't earn salvation, that was a gift. But buddy, I had been working hard. I had been trying to store up treasure. And I know that the Bible says that the crowns we receive in heaven are going to be tied to our reward and what we've worked for after salvation. And I had a real problem with ever taking that crown off and giving it to Jesus because I had worked for it. Now I'm going to have to give it back with all the stuff I did. Now I understand. Folks, on that day, when I get to worship Jesus and see him face to face, this crown won't come off fast enough. Because anything that he rewards me for will have only been by his grace. Would we not agree that a person like a thief on the cross getting to heaven and get to etern receive eternity, that's a gracious gift of God? He did nothing. Not only earn his salvation, whatever reward he gets in heaven will be by God's grace. Listen to me, and I need to speak to you lovingly but clearly and firmly because I've, you and I know that what I'm about to share with you has happened in our churches. Folks, you've got to stop thinking that you have earned anything. 
actually, the Bible says, when you point it out, you lose the point. If you do your good deeds before men, you've already received your reward. Tell me if we haven't heard some of this kind of stuff in the church. I'm a charter member. Anybody ever heard that one? My family has been in this church, name the number of years. And without realizing it, even though we're a room full of people that would quickly admit, I'm only going to heaven by the grace of God, I didn't earn it, there's nothing I could have done. That problem that we all have is still there. And we think we've earned stuff since. I've been here longer, therefore I've earned more respect. I've worked harder than some of you, therefore I've earned two votes in business meetings. How many of you have been offended when someone didn't notice all that you've done? How many of you have felt neglected and you think to yourself, if they only knew how many hours I put in around here, if they only knew how much I have worked, Jesus says you still don't get it. Whatever award you get, will totally be by my grace. I choose to give what I give. You didn't earn it. You see, we've got a problem. We've hopefully leapfrogged that first step of the problem. You can't get into heaven by yourself, folks. It's man, it's impossible. With God, it's very possible, but it's only by him. But it's time the church understood the whole parable, the whole story, that the two come together. Yes, I'm, I'm not ignorant, Peter. I am paying attention. I'm not unjust. I am not neglected your hard work, and there's going to be a reward. But if you point it out, be careful. You might have lost it. Because whoever's worked harder and whoever's receiving little or worked less, it's all by my grace. And then God opened my eyes to something we're going to wrap up with. See, I quoted to you, and we all could quote it together, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, how by grace we've been saved through faith and all that. We, we, we love that passage. Could anybody tell me what verse 7 says without looking? I want to, I'm, one day I want to preach a whole series of messages on the verses around our favorite verses. Because we run to our favorite verses and we never look at the context. We never look at the rest. Let me take you to the context in closing this morning. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go to the context of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. In Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 1 through 7. And then we'll, get, we'll finish reading into verse 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, you were. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I've run into too many church people who don't think they were that bad when Jesus saved them. The scripture says you were. But God being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why are we to store up treasure in heaven? So that we'll have more? So that we'll have the bigger mansion? Why are we to store up treasure in heaven? So that we'll have more to praise Jesus for. On that day, when the rewards are handed out, that's the bigger opportunity you have to show Jesus how awesome he is. It's kind of like when it's Father's Day and one kid comes and says, hey, I bought you a golf membership. I wish my kids were here. Oh. And another one comes with a tie. What are you going to offer to Jesus on that day? When we're, he's to display his kindness and his mercy and his riches. If you're doing it to be noticed here at Central Baptist Church, guess what? No point. See, there's a lot of stuff I did all those years that I worked and I slaved. And all of a sudden, I started to realize I sort of sounded a lot like the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Did you ever notice what the older brother said? All these years, I've slaved for you, and you haven't even given me a goat. Go to Luke chapter 17. All of a sudden, something Jesus said hopefully is going to make a whole lot more sense. This should be our attitude. Luke chapter 17. Look at verse 7. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done was our duty. If you remember the rest of Ephesians chapter 2, one day in the coming ages, God's going to display his kindness to us in Jesus Christ, and that's when we're going to take our crowns and just say, look all you did. And we give more to him in praise. The scripture goes on and reminds us we've been saved by grace and not of works, and no man can boast. Then in verse 10, listen to verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. He has a plan for your life. And he wants you just to live the life that you have and you live the life that he has for you and you will find joy and peace. Stop comparing yourself with everybody else. Stop looking around as everybody's working as hard as you and you just live the life that God has for you. And one day he'll reward you. But that reward ain't for you. It's for him. Would you stand this morning? Father, as we allow your truth to sink into our hearts, my mind is racing with all the passages that talk about the fact that when you come back, you said in Luke 12 that if you find us ready and watching and working and doing, that you will have us sit and you will dress yourself to serve us. There's an element, Lord, where the scripture does teach 
that we will be rewarded. And you will give us glory and honor and praise and we'll sit on thrones with you and we'll rule and reign with you and we'll judge angels. But Lord, unfortunately, we all of a sudden took the first will be last and the last will be first passages and we twisted them to say, well, I'll pretend to be last because I want to be first in heaven. And we still are jockeying for position and we're losing the points. It's not about us. It's about you. And Lord, we've said that for years. If we were to ask everyone, is it about us or about Jesus, we'd all get the answer right. But our flesh has crept back in. And it's been about us. That's why some of the people in this building might be having issues with others in the building because they were offended because someone didn't appreciate all that they've done. How many years they've been here, how hard they've worked. Father, this morning, as I prayed at the beginning, our desire is not that we would walk out of here and say, now I see that passage in a new way. Lord, my desire and our desire needs to be that it would change us for real. That we would really be loving each other. Because it's not about us. It's about you. And one of the ways we show glory to you and bear fruit is by loving each other. This command that you gave us in John 15. We're going to love each other just as you've loved us. So, Lord, this morning, however it is that you want us to respond, however it is that you want this truth to be manifested in our lives, that we get it, if it's to receive salvation this morning by today saying it's all him and none me, I've been doing a little bit of my own helps of hoping to help him today. I fully put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I thank him for my salvation because it's totally by his grace and none by me. Lord, I pray that there'd be people here or watching online that they would just surrender that to you today and be saved. But Lord, I know either those watching and those that are here, there's many of us, Jim Johnson included, who have been offended because we didn't feel like people really appreciated all that we've done. And that fleshly attitude of wanting points and wanting credit has crept into our service of you, Jesus. And with today, we say, forgive us. May it all be really about you and not about us. May we stop jockeying for position. It's interesting, Lord, that in in the end of 19, you say the first will be last and the last will be first. And at the end of your passage that we just looked at in 20, you flip it. You say the last will be first and the first will be last. In essence, you're saying stop jockeying for position. Your whole system's different. And Lord, without realizing it, we in the church proudly proclaim that we're saved by grace alone, nothing we do, but then everything after salvation, even though that is still the same, it's all by your grace. The reward is still by your grace and your generosity, and you choose to give. We have felt like some of us have earned more than others, and we've treated each other that way, and today we ask you to forgive us. And whatever that looks like in our response this morning, we ask you to show us that we may do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.